Well, hello, and welcome to Rhythms of Grace. Um, We are continuing this week with our series uh, looking at the seven types of rest. So I'm here with Nate. Here I am. And Sung. Yo. Um, And we've talked through uh, four of the seven already. So um, we just have three types of rest left. Uh, And Sung, what are we diving into this week? Yeah, we've talked about emotional rest, physical rest, sensory rest, and creative rest. Mm. And what we have left is spiritual rest, mental rest, and social rest. Mm. And I will give you the choice of what we talk about today. Christine, you pick. Oh, gosh. Um, Well... I feel most curious about uh, social rest because that's my lowest. Oh, and I have it's like I have a fourteen. I am socially You're rested. In great okay, shape. so I'm curious. So that that was the lowest in terms of the higher the score, the more exhaustion you yes. were feeling yeah. in that area. So socially, you were pretty rested. I, I yes. think I was too. I think I was like a seventeen out of th- like thirty five is like danger point. That's like. <laughs> You know, what, what were you, Nate? I was, uh, I was 21. Okay. Not oh, too bad. So yeah. that's really, it's really not, not too bad at all. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, but I, th- I do live a life of the, of a hermit. You do. <laughs> Which is social rest for you. Yeah. Right. That's right. Um, well, you can tell when you're not socially rested because you feel very alone and detached. Mm-hmm. You are attracted to people who tend to mistreat you. So usually people, victims of abuse, uh, do not have social mm-hmm. rest in their life. Uh, you you feel like it's hard to connect or you have struggles with intimacy. Uh, you isolate yourself and you prefer online relationships versus real face-to-face relationships. Mm-hmm. If any of those things are describe you, you, you may be feeling social exhaustion. Mm-hmm. That that's not quite the um, that's not quite the list that I expected. I okay, sort of expected mm-hmm. if if you sort of like feel like you need time to yourself. Or, okay, that's kind of like what I expected exhaustion yeah. to sound like. Mm-hmm. But it, it sounds more like, and we this has sort of been a theme in a couple different conversations. But it's sort of like what does a healthy social yeah you know, yeah. life look like versus unhealthy. Well, and, and social health here means you have relationships that are uplifting mm. and actually enrich your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In other words, you've kind of said no to those people who drain you or just suck the life out of you. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, I like the, um, like, when I took the rest quiz, um, the definition they gave of, like, a socially rested person is someone who has the wisdom to recognize relationships that revive mm-hmm. from ones that exhaust and how to limit exposure to toxic people. Mm. Um, which, yeah, again, was not the definition of social yeah. rest that I expected. So it's almost like living a socially restful life is mm. sort of like what we're talking about mm-hmm. instead of just being like, do you need a break from people? Right. Yeah. Sort of your classic introvert, right. extrovert yeah. dividing line. So th- if you're socially rested, then you have friends and family members that you are comfortable with where you don't have to put on any airs you know like they come over and there's no sense of like oh i I gotta seem like i got it together yeah like they they you're you're okay they're okay seeing your messy house and your unkempt self Mm -hmm. and you can say things without like with very little to no filter because you feel safe Mm -hmm. they know you they see you they value you. They, they, they know your heart. Mm-hmm. 
So that could be a lot of friends, that could be just a few friends, but those relationships are very life-giving. And when you have that, then you're, you're going to experience very little to no social exhaustion. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that, you, that that's one of the ways that you define it, because I was reminded, one of the things that we regularly say to people that are staying with us, even for an extended period of time or a short period of time, is if this it, at, at our house, it is okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to put on any sort of a, you don't have to sort of rise to any standard of our expectations for you. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that the result is that people do find it to be a restful place on Mm -hmm. that. I've said that to a lot of different people and it takes a while before. But once they do, you sort of see some of the layers sort of start to fall off, which is really Mm -hmm. like, especially if somebody's living with you, my guess, my assumption is that some people maybe at first would be like, oh yeah, I'm not going to come out of the bedroom until I'm kind of put together, right? Like I don't want the others to see me in my pajamas with my morning hair, my morning breath. And when you're constantly being like, I don't want to say fake, like as if that's fake, but if you're constantly trying to put on like your best face, that takes a lot of social energy. Mm -hmm. So we... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so she so she listens to the podcast. So sorry, Francesca. Uh, but when she was talking to us about coming to live in our house, I was wearing this sweatshirt that I've had for like, <laughs> it is the rattiest piece of clothing you have ever seen. And it's even just more I, ratty than the one you're wearing oh now. Oh my gosh. It's, it's not even in the same category. It is literally like if I am going to be like crawling under the truck type of thing mm. that I put on. And I was wearing it as we were just talking about what our life is like. And she was like, that actually helped a ton because she sort of felt like, okay, there's like, I, it's okay for me to like be real here. Cause look at what this schmuck is wearing. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing I'm going to do is going to be as bad as what he's doing. That's not what she was thinking, but it was funny because I was clearly not trying to put on Mm -hmm. a a false front. Yeah. And I think when you have a false front, that's where isolation and loneliness creep in because uh, people think loneliness just happens when like you don't have people around you, Yeah, but you mm-hmm. can be lonely in the midst of a large crowd in mm-hmm. some, in, for some people, it, it, they feel more lonely exactly. when because, they're surrounded by people because right. they, they feel that sense of isolation yeah. and separateness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so that social restlessness and exhaustion comes from actual or perceived loneliness, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Wh- wh- whether it's actual or not, if you just feel it and perceive it, then, then, then you're going to feel socially tired. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess one of the things I want to bring up is like, you know, there, there's like the, um, limiting like people who, who drain your energy or knowing how to interact with that well. And I think sometimes we like, we put it on ourselves to have to keep that front up around other people. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes it's like, okay, I got to keep like at least 10% you know, safe, saved away. And it's nothing to do with the people around us. But, um, I do like, I mean, from my like life story, there are also times when it isn't safe to, to let go of that last 10%. Mm -hmm. And so that's where it's like, I think sometimes, yeah, that, that wisdom to discern, like who are the people where it is safe to be fully yourself and how can you lean into those relationships? And, um, yeah, just 
like learning to build boundaries with people who um, are going to take advantage of or um, like kind of defame the, the person that God created you to be yeah. if you're real with them. One of the things that my therapist would regularly ask me, because I do tend to be one who tries to sort of like rise to the standard, either that mm-hmm. I think is on me or that I think should be uh, whatever, you yeah. know, it's like she would regularly ask me, well, like what would happen? Like what would happen if you were just authentically mm-hmm. yourself with yeah. this person or in this situation? Or if you're feeling that, what would happen if you just said it? And it, like now that makes sense. And in hindsight, it's like, well, duh. But at the moment, it mm-hmm. really felt sort of um, revelatory yeah. to, to think like I like I could sort of be that vulnerable. I could sort of be that transparent, you know, and, and like you said, Christine, sort of show that last 10 percent, not everywhere. But, in mm-hmm. you know, we were talking about key relationships mm-hmm. yeah. um, and it really sort of changed my whole paradigm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like when you think about like, what is the worst that could happen? Then you, you start to actually be able to think through, um, oh, if, if the worst that could happen, um, is really bad. And that seems like a likely scenario that might be a relationship to rethink, Mm -hmm. um, putting all of this weight on Mm -hmm. and putting all of this time into, um, or maybe that means it's worth trying and seeing what happens, um, and, and evaluating based on people's actions and not you know, I mean, I think sometimes I can like really spiral. Yeah, with that, into like, an imaginary relationship. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, just just being authentic. Well, I, I think for people that struggle with social anxiety, which I, I would say I have a mild case of, it is often um, like being afraid of the worst case scenario without actually sort of walking it out. Sort yeah. of like, what if I say this and this person thinks I'm dumb? And yeah. that is sort of where social anxiety stops, yeah. right? Instead of saying, well, like, well, okay, then what? Like, yeah. what would that be the end of the world? Like, would you yeah. have a chance to explain yourself? Like, mm-hmm. would you maybe be able to find some someone yeah. else that could bring clarity? Like, there's all of these things that are after that. And social anxiety sort of stops at what if, and then like, yeah. just like, let's it go. And that's exhausting. Yeah. That's uh, a couple of weeks ago on, or maybe it was the last week's episode. I don't remember, but I talked about how like with emotional exhaustion, I like had a conversation with a friend, said something stupid that mm. came across insulting. Mm. And I was like, oh man, she's never going to want to be my friend again. Mm. Then like three days ago, she texted me and was like, I'm so thankful that you are always encouraging to me. <laughs> and like, you know, whatever, like just, you know, thanked me for my friendship. And I was like, I, uh, I can get so in my head oh, about yeah. these little things yeah. that aren't part of reality. And I think that's like, yeah, I think just letting people in, um, it can be part of the healing process and part of that rest mm-hmm. of like, if you're feeling socially exhausted and feeling like, oh, I don't have anyone who really knows me and I don't want them to, like giving them the chance to prove you wrong yeah. um, is, is definitely like the first step. So I think it's interesting, Christine, because you and I both sort of have a similar perspective on relationships and social like anxiety or whatever. <laughs> However, you have a very, very high need for relationship yeah. and I have a very, very low. <laughs> yeah. So for me, it's like, well, I only got to be vulnerable with like one person <laughs> and I'm good. But how do you have such sort of a healthy score with mm. all of those people in the mix? Is that, does that feel like a lot of work to you? Mm, that's a great question. Um, yeah. So I, I do think, um, Orlando always jokes that I have uh, a lot of best friends. 
Um, uh, like, okay. like, like that is legitimately, like that's legitimately um, true. Yeah. Which I feel, I do feel like I have a lot of best friends. Um, and not let like, and it's, yeah, anyway, and, and each of them are valuable and, and life-giving. And I think for me, um, it has been finding those first few core relationships of people who, who I knew could be socially restful people for me yeah. to be around. Mm-hmm. Um, they give me more energy for people who aren't socially restful Oh, I see. and, and allow me to, okay, I don't need to share my last 2% with those, the people who aren't going to be safe people because yeah. I have a core of, of others who, who can be safe in that yeah. way. Yeah. Um, and so it allows me to like draw healthy boundaries with people who otherwise wouldn't be, um, like as, as safe, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And how about you, Sung? Cause you also were like, really, this was like, you had a solid score in this one as well. Right. Do you, do you feel like you have, well, yeah. Talk, tell me about your friendships. Um, <laughs> so I will say, I, I said to a friend of mine recently, he was actually just visiting in from Chicago and actually spoke here a couple of weeks ago. But you know, I, I told him, I am like the master of the five, 10 minute conversation. Mm. I love having those kinds of like quick connections. Mm-hmm. So on a Sunday morning, like, cause people are like, Oh, I'm sure you know, you have a lot. I'm like, I love those conversations. Mm. Right. Like Amy hates those. Oh man. Preach. <laughs> she, she wants one deep conversation. Like I, I want like a hundred five minute conversations. So in that sense, they do give me life because I know they are not demanding from me. Hmm. Like I'll give them the first 80% of like my life and openness and, and, yeah. and transparency. Uh, but, but they're not demanding. Right. Cause the, cause the social expectation is just one of meaningful connection, but not like, de- I, mean, right. I mean, meaningful and deep, but not like, I don't know, super deep. Intimate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, they'll, they'll share, share meaning thing, meaningful things with me and vice versa. Um, but so that really fills me up. Uh, the other thing too, is I would say with, especially our staff and our pastors, I was telling the same friend who he works with a lot of pastors all around the, the, the United States. He, he, uh, works at a fuller seminary. And as I was telling him about my relationship with our location pastors, I was telling him how, how, uh, like, yeah, we, we all share life together. Like they know the best and worst about me and each other, like they can tell you and laugh about like what I, I, I suck at and things like that. And he kept saying like, really? Like, how do you do that? Uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and he kept saying like, you know, something that's not normal mm-hmm. in churches, mm-hmm. which kind of boggled my mind. And I'm like, yeah. well, it should be mm-hmm. right. He's like, well, how, how, how do you protect like your status and your authority? I'm like, well, uh, uh, there's a lot of trust there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there's no fear that they're going to use that against me. Or And the other thing I said is like, we all know, because we all know each other's, this is more in a team setting than a, fr- a friendship setting, because we all e- know each other's strengths and limitations, we know we're all in dis- an essential part of the team. Mm-hmm. And so there is no, like, I'm going to take your place or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And so there isn't, and, and so he was just fascinated by that whole mm-hmm. dynamic, yeah. I guess, especially as a senior pastor working with other pastors, because again, it's pretty rampant, but like there's all sorts of power struggles and things going on, Oh sure, you, you know, not only in churches, but corporations and otherwise but i think there's a sense of uh when you when you find your people 
vulnerability begets vulnerability. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And so if, if you're not willing to be open and vulnerable about your life, you can't demand that they be vulnerable themselves too. Right. And if you want a team that's going to be vulnerable, you can't just say, hey, we're going to be a vulnerable team mm-hmm. and just not do it. Right, right. We're going to be vulnerable. <laughs> you start. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm. I, what's interesting is that you both um, describe and I, I feel this for myself, but it's interesting for me to observe the where the boundaries are and that they're very clear. Hmm. Like my boundary tends to be more along the lines of quantity hmm. just because I'm an introvert and so I have a very limited scope. Um, both of you have boundaries and they are, they're sort of more qualitative saying like, well, with these people, this is what I do. And with these people, this is what I do. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how important boundaries are in terms of, um, having sort of a socially restful Mm -hmm. existence. Yeah. I would say it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and and this will bleed into the discussion on mental exhaustion, because I think it fits under there more, but when you don't, when you have a hard time saying no, mm. um, it, it does affect you socially, but I would even say more mentally and physically. But um, yeah, you, you, you're like constantly reliving certain conversations and things like that. And it's, it's just so tiring. Mm. So I think having really clear boundaries um, is very significant. Mm-hmm. It's it's helpful to hear you describe that um, v- vulnerability it doesn't have to be like all or nothing, mm-hmm. right? That mm-hmm. for some people you're still being vulnerable. Like yeah. there, you can still sort of be vulnerable to a point, but it doesn't have to be either they know everything yeah. right. or they know nothing. Yeah, and I think that in and of itself can be a helpful boundary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, I think, one of the things that I found like, um, yeah, just with, again, having like a breadth of relationship and, and maintaining is, is I don't want to like ever be, um, like, I, I want to be able to be vulnerable with, with all of those who I'm ministering to or alongside or friends with. Um, but there is, it's not like that doesn't mean 100% right. all the time. Right. Um, it means being honest when they ask questions. Um, but again, that, that honesty can have boundaries mm-hmm. that are healthy for me and for mm-hmm. them. Um, yeah. yeah. That reminds me uh, actually of something that my wife, Amy told me around that very point, which mm-hmm. is that like I've talked before about my, uh, one of my son's medical issues and we often get well-meaning people who we haven't seen in quite some time. They're sort of like, Hey, how's he doing? Mm-hmm. And that's, an, that's a, impossible question to answer (laughs) in, in five minutes, you know, it's just, there's too much there. And my wife, Amy said that she actually has sort of a measured answer that she's practiced Mm. that sort of communicates both like, thank you for caring. That's really, really valuable to us. Sort of like, this is a really complicated situation and I'm not really going to tell you any more than that. Like mm, that's sort of her yeah. pat answer. That's really good though. Yeah, yeah. Because, and that's what it does. It communicates. She's vulnerable in terms mm-hmm. of saying this is really complicated. And also it's so complicated. It's not something that I can just talk to everybody about. Mm-hmm. So she does the same thing that the two of you do, do as well mm-hmm. um, because she has lots of people in her life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes for me, I used to think like, oh, if I have one of those like rehearsed or like pre-thought out answers, that makes it like less authentic uh, or right. less vulnerable. Yeah. But actually it, it doesn't. It's it not, allows me yeah. to communicate clearly mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. is true and what I mean to say. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I think, yeah, I've only recently given myself permission to do that with, with different answers uh, around health things mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. yeah, just ministry in general. Yeah. I think social health is really important because uh, most of people's relationships, whether it's work or other places, uh, the relationship usually uh, takes from you yeah. mm-hmm. more than gives to yeah. you or, or that it's mutually like uh, reinforcing in terms of positive energy. And so, and, and this could, this can include, and I will say it like little kids, mm-hmm. right? They take from you, <laughs> not because you don't love them, yeah. but they take from right. you. They require energy. And I think uh, this is where sometimes, especially if you talk to moms, it's like, oh, just having an adult conversation mm-hmm. can be so socially life-giving <laughs> yeah. because all they do all day is just like oh, baby sure, talk, sure. right? I used to come home from work and <laughs> M- Amy would be like, tell me all the conversations. <laughs> like, they are so boring. She's yeah. like, I don't care. I want to hear them all. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's another w- th- way to think about mm-hmm. social health and, and exhaustion. I, I think too many people uh, live in the world of superficial connections Mm -hmm. that they don't have any deeper intimate like do you have anybody you could call at three o'clock in the morning if Mm -hmm. you say no like uh, you you need better social health Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. Um, the other thing too, I would say is too many people are relying on exclusively social media, uh, connections. And so they, they have, so it's almost like they have too many mm-hmm. kind of meaningless relationships. Not, I don't want to say meaningless, like to diminish it, but just to say they're not real connection. It's, it's not face to face. And so they're kind of bombarded with not only information, but all these relationships that they don't even really, some of them, they don't even know personally. Right. And it can, you can feel like you're well connected yeah. mm-hmm. without actually being as connected as you need to be. Yeah. Yeah. And just speaking into this as like, you know, we have our chocolate Instagram, Jillian and I do. And like, we do have. You're internet famous. Yeah, basically. <laughs> basically. No, no big deal. Um, no, but we, we do have like connections with other like chocolatiers or like chocolate Instagram people who. Um, those are fun and they're life-giving in some ways, right? Like I get so excited when I see that like Cho has uh, messaged me on Instagram again. Um, but it's, it's different. And I think that's important is to acknowledge like those things can be good mm-hmm. and yet not be socially restful. Mm-hmm. And I think that's um, sometimes, uh, yeah, like we get that confused where it's like, oh, but this like, you know, w- watching Netflix is like good, but is it uh, emotional rest? No, right. it's distraction. Right. Um, you know, having those friends on Instagram or connections or people that, you know, you don't know personally, like that can be really good or a good way to connect with people from college or, um, you know, people who have similar interests, but, but it doesn't fill that hole. Yeah. And so I think that's just because I, I, I'm hearing the voice of like a lot of, a lot of my peers probably being like, no, I, I have plenty of friends on social media and those are life-giving relationships. Um, but it's just, I just want to clarify, it's not, that doesn't mean it's going to be socially restful. Right. It's sort of like exists in different strata. Yes. You know, like yeah. there's these levels of intimacy or, or relationship and all of them are good. All yeah, of them are yeah. good or can be good. Um, but having a lot in one category doesn't replace the need for some at, at another level. Yeah. In the same way that I think people that are like, I only need one or two friends. It's like, well, mm-hmm. actually you probably need some, uh, relationships that have less pressure attached yeah. to them. Yeah. Quite honestly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know? Well, and, and I think there's like, my wife would be one who would, who would 
not necessarily say, but she feels like, oh, I only need one or two good friends outside, mm-hmm. like <clears throat> family. And while that's mostly true, uh, <clears throat> that does not negate like all the other social or acquaintance yeah. relationships mm-hmm. that she has that if they were to disappear, she, you can't just live on those one or two relationships. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. So how do you know when you're experiencing a relationship that is like socially restful? Like what are the, like what are the signs of that? How do I know you guys? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if it's the same for everyone, but I, the first socially restful relationship I remember which is not to say the only one I've had. Uh, but when I became friends with Jillian Campbell, hmm. I was like, I was like full grown adult at that point. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, being like, oh my gosh, I, I leave those times with her, not like in my head, not like mm-hmm. questioning, like, oh man, she said this thing and I probably should have done more. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know if I contributed as much as she did uh, Mm. to, and then she would still want to hang out with me again next time. I was like, Mm. I feel like I'm being poured into (laughs) like just, I just felt full. I don't know how else to describe Mm. it. But for me as an Enneagram too, the thing that I remember was feeling like usually I am responsible for my friendships. Like I Uh, am responsible for encouraging or pouring out or mm. facilitating or whatever. And it was the first time I was like, I think, this would survive even if I were useless. Mm. Um, yeah. So that was for me. That's a good one. That's a good one. I'm trying to think, I mean, I do, I do have a lot of really significant relationships in my life and I'm trying to think about what makes them sort of significant. I don't, I don't have anything. I don't have anything good to say yet. So you guys are going to, I think for me, it's usually, uh, around like a common interest or passion. Mm. Uh, so, beyond just like football or whatever and that common interest or passion could be like we'll have a really good conversation about spiritual formation or or god or something like that or the church or or anything and this could be with a stranger too or somebody i just met but you know have a half hour conversation but we really connected at a deeper level Mm. i'll walk away going like man that was really good Mm. i I think there's a sense of sharpening my Mm, mind and my heart well, I would say sharpening my mind and filling my heart. Because mm-hmm. for me, like mental stimulation, I, I, I kind of need. Mm-hmm. And so th- they are either saying things or uh, our ideas are coming together in a way that just sharpens our thinking together. Mm-hmm. And then we are s- talking about things that really nourish the soul. That's good. Yeah, I think I would agree with that idea of sharpening, even like uh, it, it probably looks different for an eight and a two, but like feeling like, yeah, I... Uh, I can talk about things that matter mm-hmm. and feel like I'm leaving with new things to think about. Mm. Um, and, and again, n- not things like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do about this situation? Or <laughs> what am I going to, you know, it's like, oh yeah, I wonder if I should be asking myself that question this week or, you know, things like that. Yeah. I think I did think of one that I, that I experienced in a couple different contexts that I think is a good indicator for me. Uh, which is that I often leave those type of interactions and it happens oftentimes in our community group. It happens often after my Bible study that I do with the guys in my neighborhood. I leave those just filled with a sense of thankfulness for those Mm, people sort of saying like, Oh, the, the fact that those people are not only in the world, but in my life just fills me with a thankfulness. Mm -hmm. Um, And that usually is an indicator that those relationships I find to be 
socially restful. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would agree with that. And that too, song, like you were saying, that doesn't have to be even necessarily like a super intimate relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, that can happen in smaller mm-hmm. ways in imagine in those other strata that I yeah. can come away from being like, Oh my gosh, I was talking to this person, you know, that I in I was in the line. I'm just so glad there's someone like that in the world mm-hmm. that sort of is like doing what they're doing and being who they're being. That usually is an indicator for me that I'm not sort of caught in my own head or my yes. own thoughts about the relationship or my own you know, self-consciousness, but sort of just fully embracing the relationship for what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh yeah. I was just going to say, and I think with that, like, you know, for me, I, I do feel called to pour out into people's lives who, who aren't going to be filling relationships all Mm -hmm. all the time. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes, um, there are relationships that I have intentionally invested in that I'm like, this is going to drain me, but Mm -hmm. it's worth the time. Mm -hmm. And I think I would just say to people like that, if you are going to be able to maintain that and be socially rested, it just makes it all the more significant that you mm-hmm. are investing more time yeah. into the relationships that are life-giving, that are encouraging, that are sharpening you. Mm. So are those are those relationships more kind of like formational kind of discipleship mm-hmm. relationships? Yeah. Because yeah. that's true, yeah. right? I mean, I mean um, in one sense, it's not a, a, it's not a co-equal sharing uh, of... Mm-hmm life-giving kind of they're taking from you yeah um but yeah okay i i I, the thing i was going to say is uh, you may be listening and going like yeah i feel lonely or how do i get to social health Mm. um you know but part of it is it if you take any of your your daily conversations let's say with quote-unquote friends like just ask yourself in that conversation, how much of that, how much percentage of that conversation is you talking and how much of it is you actually listening? Mm. Being a pastor, I mean, and, and you remember this, Nate, too, and you, Christine, know this, too. Like, we we ask questions and we do a lot of listening. Yeah. And, and people love talking about themselves and we, we listen, right? Mm. And uh, it, it is a rare thing for me to find somebody uh, and, and you know, honestly, I, I love asking questions and get to know, getting yeah. to know people. So it, it's, it's fun and it's not like a drudgery or duty, <laughs> but I find very few people who actually take, uh, an interest who will actually take that and actually show an interest, uh, uh towards me mm-hmm. in return. Yeah. So most people they're taking from you, they want to mm-hmm. receive, you know, they're, uh, and, uh, so I would say like what my new favorite question to ask people these days, what it, do you like best about me? <laughs> <laughs> what? No, I'm just kidding. No, no go ahead. Uh, I, and I do love asking people this question. And, and I would say if you're the one that usually talks in a relationship, mm-hmm. uh, and, and doesn't listen, uh, uh, the, the, my new favorite question to ask people is what, what can you talk about for hours on end mm. or what can you do for hours on end? And like, you just, because it taps into like this deeper sense of passion that they have mm. that goes beyond just like, Oh yeah, I like football or I like yeah. biking. Right. Yeah. It's like, Oh man. Like, and, and the other thing that happened well, so, so then and this is the caution, uh, 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 especially to those who are like dominating conversations. Uh, and because this has happened, sometimes they'll ask a question 
and the other person will answer like really briefly and then you dominate the conversation again like oh yeah you know like mm -hmm. uh, if you want to develop healthy social relationships and i'm talking to the to the nonstop chatters here <laughs> like oh because you know there, there are some of those people in my life mm -hmm. and um man th those are the people that i consider just drainers mm -hmm. they drain me like all get out right um i i don't know i, I that maybe that's just a, an encouragement or a tip or just a warning mm -hmm. <laughs> for those of you who uh, and if you are feeling lonely, it may be because, uh, I don't know, like I, I, I know people like that have, uh, almost repelled me mm. from mm. wanting to connect deeper with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it ties into something. I, 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 I'm sort of sorry, but not sorry that I keep quoting my wife in this podcast, <laughs> but she is, she's a very, she's a very social person and she's very, very mature in the way that she navigates mm -hmm. her relationships. And she says that really the healthiest place that you can be in a relationship is when you can like forget about yourself Yeah, mm. and, and people that are constantly chatting sometimes that's what can be so exhausting is that yeah. it's like, Oh, they can't forget about themselves even for a moment, you know, to sort of like engage in a third party topic yeah. or, you yeah. know, whatever. Um, so that's one of the things that she said, she said, you know, honestly, like maturity doesn't always look like, um, like being fully aware of everything that's happening. It can actually be like forgetting yeah, and, and just sort of like being in the moment with the other person and sort of having them take priority. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really good. Good piece of advice. Forget and, about yourself. Yeah. That's and true. I feel like that's, I mean, for all of these rest types, I'm well, not all of them, but thinking about emotional rest as well, like just forgetting yourself. I mean, it's a little bit of a catch 22 because when you're feeling very lonely, one of the hardest things yeah. to do is to forget right. about that feeling. So right. I appreciate that. That's not, yeah. Just a really simple, you yeah. know, sort of solution, but it can be a sign that things are going in the right direction. Yeah. And if you think about it, like if you, if you are lonely, probably one of the best ways to get yourself out of loneliness is to find somebody who is struggling with something and actually listening and serving mm. other people. Mm. Yeah. Like you will find yourself getting out of loneliness quicker that way mm -hmm. than trying to fill it with whatever you think uh, you're missing. It's mm -hmm. so, I mean, it's so, it's like, it's like such a, like, typical response to say like the best way to have friends is to be a friend but man that is true i went through an entire season where i had a guy who sort of decided i was going to be his friend and was <laughs> just the worst no 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 this <laughs> okay okay this was a good thing okay because he just would like he just acted like a friend to me mm. okay and i actually for an extended period of time asked myself like what would he do in this situation because mm. he was so good at being a friend that i started realizing like oh if i want to make more friends i just got to be like mike <laughs> like, what would mike do yeah. and uh and that was really a pretty simple, at least for me at the time, a pretty simple way to sort yeah. of change my thinking to what does yeah. a friend act like? Well, a friend acts like Mike. So right, right. what would Mike do? Yeah. You know? Okay. Yeah. I, I took it the wrong, the, the wrong way. Cause no. I, there are people who, who want to, who, who, who just assign themselves to be my friend right. A, right. as a pastor. Sort and of like that movie cable guy or whatever, where, you guys don't know the no. Jim Carrey mm -mm. movie. All right, well, <laughs> he decides he's going to be best friends with the guy and uh, is essentially a stalker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
I think though, like more often than not, that's our fear when you're like lonely. It's like, oh, if I try to be someone's friend, I'm gonna be like, yeah, like that guy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I've always found like in I've moved many times, and if you just find other people, like walk into grace. If you see someone else sitting alone, yeah, it's a, you know, you have a good shot of if you sit next to them and just ask them their name, um, they might be feeling the same way you do and wanting to make a friend. So that's been my tactic. Um, And I often decide I'm someone's friend. And then, you know, most of the time it it ends up coming true. (laughs) It can also be as simple as, and this is one of the things like that this guy would often do is that he would just like shoot me a text when he was thinking about Mm. me, like where they weren't creepy or anything. He would just literally be like, Hey dude, like saw this thought of you, you know, praying for you and your family. Mm -hmm. Have a great day. Uh, Like that was it. But, but it was sort of this constant, like, Hey, you're on my mind and I care about you. Mm -hmm. And I know that for me, I can be like, Oh, is it going to be weird if I reach out to this Mm -hmm. person like out of the blue or they going to think, you know, but he, would just do it and um just really realizing how 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 good that made me feel Mm -hmm. uh just being and just trying to turn that around and do that for other people yeah in fact song i think it was one of your challenges in a sermon like a while ago yeah to be like hey like reach out to someone that you haven't thought of in a while and i did it and the guy was Mm -hmm. literally like you just have no idea how much this meant to me. Wow. Like I was in a really rough spot and your text came through and I was like, all right, all right. Maybe someone knows what he's <laughs> yeah. talking about. Maybe. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> just, uh, I, uh, well, before we close, uh, the, the song that keeps coming to mind is from the, the show friends. Oh. Oh. I'll be there for <laughs> you. <laughs> that's a cheesy way to end it. Yeah. All right. Well, so I guess that's everyone's task is this week. Be a better friend. <laughs> Text someone. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait. Is that our outro music? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got it, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we will see you next week for uh, more rest. <laughs>